Hallelujah. Very special day. But then even as I, I say that in the back of my mind and in my heart, every day, every day, we get to have, listen, we get to have fellowship with the risen Savior. Amen. Every day. Every day. Every day. Great God, our Father in heaven, who loves us more than we can imagine. You've demonstrated your love as you've poured out yourself on the cross. You've demonstrated your power. You demonstrated your truth as you animated that body that was put in that grave dead. That body came out of that grave alive, proving that all you said and did was truth. Absolute truth. Freeing us from the burden of sin and giving us the victory over death. Lord, we don't take that lightly this morning as we lift our hearts to you this morning in thanksgiving. Lord, remembering all that you've done for us and remembering, Lord, that we get to experience the victory now. We don't have to wait until this body perishes. Father, we could experience your victory now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling our hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading and guiding and directing us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would lead, guide, and direct in everything that's said and done here this morning. Father, I pray that blind eyes would be opened. I pray that hardened hearts would be softened. I pray, Father, that ears that closed to you would be opened. Father, I also pray that even in these bodies, as you've set us free, as you've given us victory over death, Father, I pray that you would give us strength in our mortal bodies. Father, that you know, not only did you give us life eternal, Father, but you healed our bodies. So, Father, in Jesus' name, just as we, oh, so, Father, greatly worship you, we are, are in such awe of you. We're so thankful that we have eternal life and victory over death. But Father, just as important is that we feel strength in our bodies now as we worship you, as we adore you. Father, as we lift a praise to you, strengthen us in our bodies. Father, renew our minds as only you can do. Father, change our hearts. Help us to be more conformed to the image of Jesus. It's in His great name, that name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that death has has to bow to, that name, we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's very hard. I don't know why. I just want to be emotional today. Maybe I don't know why. But we're going to begin uh, this Easter service. And as usual, I try... (laughs) I'm a little bit unorthodox, so some of you who are visiting, just bear with us. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, me. Uh, we don't have a traditional Easter service. We have Christmases and Easter's that are not traditional, so I'm going to just apologize in advance. We're just going to get into the Word of God and break the bread of life. Amen. Romans 5, beginning in verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. His gift of righteousness. Not eternal life. 
his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. My brothers and sisters, listen. The world, and there are many in this world that judge themselves according to culture, world standards, but God says, you have to judge yourself against my righteous judgments. And in that case, we all under Adam are sinful. But God who is rich in mercy, God who loves infinitively, infinity. He, he loves beyond what I can think, what I can imagine. That, that, that great love was poured out so that we can experience a right relationship with Him. That we can get in relationship with Him. First things first. First thing is, we get in relationship with God. And in that relationship, we find everlasting life. Amen? But it started... With God, it ends with God, but it's the in-between that we're going to talk about today. In Genesis 2, 8 and 9, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Beginning. With man, we have God in the beginning, God in the end, and in the middle, here we are. Mark fourteen thirty-two through 34. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Jesus, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to, to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. So, my brothers and sisters, today, we're, we're beginning in this, what I call the story of two gardens. You have the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane. So, we have the story of, of, of two gardens today. And so, please, uh, bear with me as we go back to the garden, the first one. Genesis two fifteen and 17. Then the Lord took... The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. There was a purpose, my brothers and sisters, that God had. God's purpose was for Adam to tend and keep it, keep the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So, so I, it, it begs the question, which I will tell you that none of us here are going to be able to absolutely 100% settle the question here this morning. But God, why, amongst all of that beauty, amongst all of that great earth and, and, and the great creation that you spoke into existence, why would you put this one thing in there and absolutely forbid it? There was a purpose and plan to everything that God did. A purpose and plan for everything. I think it even goes back... Listen, I'm going to read to you. Just please help me. 
as you seek the Lord. Help me as you pay attention here. In Genesis 1, 26 and 28, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Jumping to 28, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The purpose that God had for man, obviously, tend and keep the garden. But have dominion, subdue this earth. I'm giving it to you. This is for you. It's for you to keep. It's for you to have dominion over. But see, it started even a little bit. It goes a little bit deeper than that. Let us make man in our image. In our likeness, let's make him are, are, are you there? See, God created man. Of all of the beautiful and wondrous things that God spoke into existence, there is not one other thing that's mentioned that it's made in His image and in His likeness. Amen. God has a purpose and a plan for everything that He does. Amen. And He made man in His likeness and in His image for His purpose and for His plan. I'm giving you something. I want relationship with you. I'm giving you something that no other part of my creation has. I'm making you in my likeness and my image. You're made for relationship with me. You're made to, listen, act on my behalf. Did you hear that? Well, 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 Tony, you get that from that? Yes. God created the heavens, the earth. God created all of those great things on the earth. And he said to Adam, you have dominion over it. You subdue it. You take care of it. I'm giving what I made, I'm giving it to you to take care of. I'm giving you charge over it. Hallelujah. He didn't do that for anybody else or anything else. But I want to tell you, there was already an adversary here. You can read it in Isaiah chapter 14 about Lucifer falling. Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from the sky. Well, my brothers and sisters, there was already an adversary here. And God had called upon man, you subdue this. You take care of this creation. I'm giving you authority over this. I'm giving you charge over this. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now the serpent, in Genesis 3 we read, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, Will you surely die? For God knows in the day that you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. More. There's more. Because see, it's not good enough, Eve, that God created you in His image and in His likeness. There's more. You can have more. You can have more. More, more, more. More, more. I want more. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and desirable to make one wise, pride of life. She took of its fruit and ate. 
She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And among the trees of the garden, and then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Did God know where he was? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But hey, listen, you know what? I want to call your attention to a couple of things here. Their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. They tried to cover their guilt and shame. See, listen. In that moment when they, when they did something that they were not supposed to do, suddenly they be, there was this guilt and shame that came over them. No one had to talk to them and tell them, you're naked. No one had to talk to them and tell them, you broke God's law. No one had to tell them that. Immediately, they, the guilt and the shame, the, see, it's a spiritual thing. The guilt and the shame came over them immediately. And then when they heard the sound of God's voice in the cool of the day, they hid themselves from His presence. They were afraid. Fear came as a result of not obeying God. These things happened. So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman you gave to be with me. See, now you're, now you're seeing some, some things happen. This snowball effect, if you will. Because they sinned and because now there's guilt and shame and fear, now there you have the snowball effect. The man Adam is showing some deep character flaw now because when God brings it up to him, he doesn't say, yes, I ate. He blamed the woman. She gave of me the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And what did she say? The serpent deceived me and I ate. They were kicked out of the garden, kicked out of the presence of God as a result of not obeying one principle that God laid down to them. Not one. So now let's fast forward thousands of years later, the night Jesus was arrested. We know that before he went into the garden, they had the supper. And those of us who were together on Thursday, what an, I, I, I really that was an awesome service that we had and I, I thank you guys for being so faithful and being here it was awesome but my brothers and sisters they, had, they enjoyed that last supper together and then they went out to the garden Mark 14.32 they came to a place which was named Gethsemane and he said to his disciples sit here while I pray and he took Peter, James and John with him and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. My brothers and sisters, Jesus was a man of great sorrows and equated with grief. And in this very scripture that we've just looked at together, we see that Jesus was deep, deeply affected negatively he was in distress then he said to them my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death stay here and watch he went a little farther 
and fell on the ground and prayed that, that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And my brothers and sisters, we know because he, he was in such agony that literally his pores, uh, blood came out of his pores. He sweated drops of blood. Now, some people, oh, no, that, that, no, that actually happened. And physiologically, I mean, many of us have read articles, so I'm not going to share uh, with some of you something that you don't, you know, medical doctors, I've read articles where they say that that absolutely is possible. The same thing they say when he stuck the spear in his side and, you know, water and blood flowed. And, and, and it's very physiologically that happens because the blood, uh, the, the heart, there's a, the watery sac would form around it when it's in distress. And, and, it, and it, all this stuff is physiologically absolutely possible. It's not made up. It's not just some, uh, you know, allegory to, to make us feel, you know, wow, he was really... No, he was really suffering. He was really agonizing, so much so that it had a physical fe- effect on his body. He knew exactly what was going to happen to him. And, and he still did it. But see, in the, see, this is... In the midst of this, Jesus is praying to the Father because he's in such distress, because he is feeling the effects of what he's about to suffer. He is, he's sweating drops of blood. He's in such distress, and he's asking the Father, let this cup of suffering pass from me. If it's possible, if we could do this any other way, then let that happen. Nevertheless, what you will, whatever you want done, I'm going to do. I can't imagine that. And it's hard for me to even try to explain that to you. Is, uh, can you imagine being in that much stress, under that much duress, that you're sweating drops of blood, you're sorrowful unto death, and then you say, Father, I can't do this. Let's do something else. Father, I'm done with this. Take me now. Come on now, I know that you've been in some situations where you said it would be better for me to go away than to endure this. Come on now, I know someone is hearing me right now. You've even thought about ending your own life. You've become that sorrowful that you even thought about ending your own life. Or you've been in the middle of a situation and you've thought about compromising your Christian beliefs, your Christian standards because the pressure was so great on you. Let me ask you, was the pressure so great that you were sweating drops of blood? Was the pressure so great that you were sorrowful unto death? I feel like I'm going to die. Well, we feel like we're going to die when, you know, uh, our best girlfriend breaks our heart or something. You know, but, but my brothers and sisters, this is, this is so serious, I could hardly wrap my brain around it. But my, my brothers and sisters, Jesus was under such duress, such stress, but even under all of that, he says, not your will, I mean, not my will, but yours be done. Hallelujah. That... I, I, can't, I can't imagine that. So, they're in the garden, and now it comes the time when he is betrayed. He's about to be arrested. In Matthew 26, 52, Peter drew his sword to keep that from happening. 
But look at what Jesus says. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my Father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? There you go. Look at Either Jesus is 100% truthful and honest, and he truly is God in the flesh, or he's a lunatic liar. Because in that moment, look at what he says. He says, put away your sword. Don't you know that all I have to do right now is pray, and my Father would send thousands, and they would protect us? Now, is that true? Has to be true. Has to be true, otherwise none of us in this room are saved has to be true, or all of those things that have come true already were just coincidence. And we know that that cannot happen. My brothers and sisters, in that moment he had that much, he could have called on the Father and instantaneously had legions of angels to protect and guard them. But he didn't do it. Why? Why didn't he do it? How would scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? So we have the tale of two gardens. Look at in the first garden. There was no duress. It was just lust. Look at what happened in the first garden. Uh, Our our, our forefather Adam and our, our mother Eve. It was all about what I like, what looks good to me. What's it was all about lust. Now look at our older brother Jesus. Look at our Savior. Look at in that garden. Look at what Jesus endured in that garden. Hallelujah. Well, what else would you talk about on you know, Easter Sunday, Pastor? I would talk about the resurrection and how we're all going to heaven because Jesus... No, my brothers and sisters, you know what? When I was meditating on this um, word, even last week, as I'm meditating on this word, I got a nudge. I got a nudge. You see, I thought it was just about the two gardens. But it's not. You know what the nudge told me? The Holy Spirit nudged me a good one and said, it's about the wilderness. Did anybody get that? It's not about the gardens. It's about the wilderness. It's about the wilderness. The real story is in the wilderness. It came to pass in Mark 1, 9... Through 13, we'll be there for a little bit. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John, John the Baptist, in the Jordan. Say, wow, we all remember that. And remember, John was trying not to do it. Remember, Jesus goes up to John to be baptized, and John says, You should be baptizing me. But look at what Jesus said. Jesus said to him in Matthew 3.15, Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness it is it listen we have to do this why do we have to do this because god has deemed it to be so because this is i'm sorry this is in what is in right standing with god are you, are you there you see what jesus no i jesus you should be baptizing me now jesus know who he is he knows who he is. He knows exactly. Did he say, well, you're right, John, but, you know, let's just, just placate. Let's just do this. Yeah, come on. You know, just, let's just do this. Let's just do this for the peeps. Yeah, just, come on. 
Let's just do this so it, it looks good in front of everybody. Let's just do this. No, John, let's just do this because I want people to believe, you know, your authority. I want people to believe who you are, that you truly are. Uh, it came in the spirit of Elijah. I, I want that to happen. No, you know what? I want to, I, you know, I know the Father's going to plop, plop one on me. I know as soon as you do this, the Holy Spirit's going to light on me like a dove. I, let's just do this for the show. No, no, no. Let's do this. Why? Because God has deemed it to be so. This is what is ordered by heaven. This is what came straight from the throne. We have to do this. Why? God said it has to be done. Hallelujah. Man, making me preach so hard. So let's go back now to Mark in verse 10. Immediately coming up from the water, he saw heaven's parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. It wasn't a dove. Like a dove and a dove are two different things. Like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Was it ordered by the Father? Yes. Yep. How do I know that? Because I'm smart. Absolutely. No, because it just says, it says it right there. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It pleased the Father. It was ordered by God. Amen. Immediately, verse 12, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness and he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan and is with the wild beasts and with the angels ministering, they ministered to him. See, now look, think about this. Now, contrast this. Jesus now is about to go. We know this. We've read through this. Jesus is about to be tempted. But now, see, unlike our brother Adam, our, our forefather Adam, Jesus is not in a plush garden. You know, Jesus is not in, you know, Jesus is not in a plush garden where all the animals eat herbs. They don't eat meat. They don't got to worry about animals attacking him, right? Adam and Eve, they had it made. All they had to do was just not do one thing. But my brothers and sisters, listen, Jesus is now going in there. And that's why I highlighted this. I, I, he was with the wild beasts. See, now the beasts are wild. The beasts are wild because when Adam and Eve fell, everything changed. Everything changed. And so now Jesus is going out there. He's about to be tempted, but he's not in a plush, cushy garden. Jesus is out there in the wilderness. See, you and I don't live in the Garden of Eden. We live in the presence of God if we're His people. If we've gone to Jesus and we've bowed the knee and we've surrendered our hearts and lives to Him, we are in the presence of God. But it's still not like being in the Garden of Eden. How many of you know that? How many of you have jobs? How many of you love your job? <laughs> Listen, I saw all the hands go down. Thank you. And I see some, mm, you know, maybe sometimes good. Sometimes. So look, would you compare, you know, I, I, I got to get up and, and go to work in the morning. I'm so looking forward to that. And then I got to put up with everything that goes along with that. Is that like living in the Garden of Eden? Plushy and nice and all. If you haven't, listen, I'm not saying not to be thankful for your job. Please, hear my heart only thing I'm trying to do is make contrast between what um, Adam and Eve had experienced and even what we experience. We're, how many of you know that you know, in this world right now, what's going on is just totally ungodly? We are so far away from where God uh, had first planted us, and we've gone downhill. In this country, I can only speak, I've lived 50-something years, and I can only speak to you what I've seen in the 50-something years that I've lived, how far it's, we've downgraded. How far we've come from even when I was a kid, let alone when they were kids. <laughs> let me preach over here for a little while. Think about that for a moment. Look at how far we've fallen, as just in our culture in the, in the United States. Look at how far we've fallen. Yeah. That's right. 
So, so Ned, this is nothing like the garden. So we're not living in the garden. We're not living. We are in the presence of God. And thank God. Thank God. But my brothers and sisters, we're in the wilderness as well. To a great degree, we're in the wilderness. Hallelujah. What I noticed, and I know you have too, many of you who study and read, and the enemy uses the same tactics. He's the same. He is the same. It's, I mean, he's got to be just stupid. Amen. He's good at what he does, but very stupid. So if he's stupid, good at what he's doing the same tactics all the time, what's that make me? Some of you got to get a little bit light. You know what I'm saying? You just loosen up just a little bit. Luke 4, 1. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days uh, by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Lust of the flesh. So he's hungry, right? So his body is craving bread. His body, lust of the flesh. But Jesus answered him and saying, It is written, who wrote it? God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So now you have the enemy of our soul quoting the word to the living word, right? Trying to quote the word to the living word. How stupid can you get? Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All authority I will give to you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. Who delivered it to him? No. No. Who delivered it to the enemy? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. See, because God didn't give it to the devil. God gave it to Adam and Eve. God God said, take dominion, subdue it. See, that's what I'm saying to you. You you take dominion over. I'm giving this to you. You're created in my image. You're created in my image. I'm giving you this. I'm giving this to you. Adam and Eve turned it over to the enemy when they disobeyed God. Ah, I didn't get a lot of hallelujahs and amens there, huh? All authority I will give you and the glory for this is being delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Lust of the eyes. Remember, he showed him all of this. Lust of the eyes. And Jesus answered and said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The word of God. See, I love this. Jesus, this is the same Jesus that we know. He can pray. He can command a legion of angels. He himself, he wouldn't even have to do that. He can pick that little old devil up, break him in half, and chunk him. He could have done that. He could have just spoke a word because that's what he's going to do when he comes here. When Jesus comes back the next time when everybody sees him, I'm not talking about when he comes to lift us up out of here. I'm not talking about when we meet him in the air. I'm not talking about that time. I'm talking about when he steps foot on the Mount of Olives and it splits. He's going to defeat all of his enemies with the sword of his mouth. That means he's going to just speak and it's going to be done. So right now, you can't tell me that that same Jesus in this moment couldn't have just spoke a word to the enemy of our soul and just had him crushed. Could have, but he didn't. What did he do? He quoted scripture. He quoted the word. The living word quoted the written word. Hallelujah. And it was so powerful. It is written, he shall give angels charge to keep... 
Then he brought him to the highest pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are a son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give you his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Pride of life, if you are the son of God. Jesus didn't have to prove himself to anybody. You know, he didn't take that as an insult. If you're this, if you're so-and-so. How many of you are ever challenged like that? Come on, how many of you have had your pride, your status, your stature challenged? If you're in any kind of um, uh, position of authority, it's all the time. All the time. You know, okay, let me, I'll just say a little test right here. Mom, Dad, why do I got to do that? Well, because it is. But what? Why? 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 Because I said so. Any parent ever say that? Am I the only one? After you get worn out from trying to explain and then all of a sudden you just said, just because I said so. Is it a pride thing? I hope not. But my brothers and sisters, it might be a silly example, but you know, man, when our authority gets challenged, something happens. When our status or when we feel like we're not being respected, come on, that's pride. That is pride. What about this? I mean, I see this a lot. I mean, people wanting positions in the church. They want to get up on the stage. They've got to be performers or they've got to you know, be, do this, do that, do the other thing. Man, be very careful about that. Because, listen, if you're the foot and you're trying to be the hand, it's not going to work for you. Because if God has gifted you and God has placed a calling on you to be the foot, but you want to be the hand, it's not going to work out. And you become a sitting duck for the enemy of your soul. And the problem with that is you affect people around you as well. There are many people who have left churches because they got their pride hurt and they took people with them. Oh, it's a little bit quiet in here. A lot of empty seats in this church as well. My brothers and sisters, listen, it's not about us. It's not about me. Jesus didn't make this about him. It's about, listen, what Jesus made it about was the Father and us. The two driving factors in his life and everything that he did and said was first the Father and then us for that joy that was set before him. The joy of what? Fulfilling the mission that God had given to him that the Father had told him must happen and knowing that the end of it was your salvation. Hallelujah. Isn't that a great... So those are the things that drove Jesus. So Jesus now doesn't have to prove to anybody he's the Son of God. He knows exactly who he is. So he doesn't say, oh yeah, watch me. I'll show you. He doesn't even have it in his heart to do that. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had entered every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The devil tried to take Jesus out many times. That was just one of them. Then Jesus returned, listen to this now, verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. See, John confessed of Jesus that he's the one that has the Spirit without measure. But now all of a sudden we're seeing something, the Bible's teaching me and you something just a little bit different here. I'm not, John, stop me. I'm not taking great latitude when I say there was a different anointing that was on Jesus. The Bible says so. Listen, I got to read it again because some of you were sleeping when I said that. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. 
He returned. I believe there was a different anointing. And I've preached this from this pulpit, and I want you to hear it again. I get to say it again because we've got different people in here. And so, all different people, I want you to hear this. God gives His Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. Not a one-time deal. Ephesians says, Be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I be ye being filled? Do what He says. Just act in obedience to His Word and you'll continue to get the Holy Spirit poured in you and on you. Hallelujah. And that's how you do the greater works. Marvel not at these things that I do. These things you'll do and greater. How? Because I'm going to be up there. I'm going to be making intercession for you. And I'm going to be sending down my spirit every time you take a step in obedience. I'm going to throw more of my spirit on you. I'm going to give you more of an anointing. I'm going to give you more power. I'm going to give you more, listen, more zis boom I'm going to give you more something to stay and to stand. You're going to understand my word even more than you do right now. You're going to grow in strength. You're going to grow in knowledge. You're going to grow in wisdom. And no Nothing formed against you will prosper because you know what my word says. Hallelujah. 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 For all that is in the world, 1 John 2.16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. See, that's why we see the steady flow downward with all cultures, not just the American culture. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. But he who what? Abides. He who, how do you what? Obey. He who does the will of God. That's right. Obey. He who does the will of God abides forever. Jesus was, he modeled that perfectly, didn't he? Let me read one more to you. I'm not going to promise this is the last one. I still got five minutes. James 4, beginning in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Now, are they talking about church members? Hmm. Your own body. Your own body. So now let me think about Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for your pleasures that war in your own body? Your own lusts? Your own desire for pleasure. Your own desire to seek fulfillment outside of God. That's where wars in your own body. You have that war going on in you. See, I'm so sick and tired of everybody talking about this spiritual war. And you know what? I'm so thankful that we do have Ephesians where we're told that we should put on all of his armor. And he describes to us very specifically. But man, we also know that We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we also have what? This truth, the belt of truth that holds everything together. So if you know the truth, and you know the truth through the Word of God, there is nothing ever that can help or hurt you. There's nothing that can harm you. Nothing. And I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, listen, those are the things that we must have because the first battle that we fight is not against those demons. Not against, See, we're so quick to, to look at each other and try to pronounce what demon, what's bothering them, what's this, what's that. Or we're so worried about running from this devil or running from that. The devil's out to get me. The devil, you know, the car broke down. Man, that's the devil trying to get me. No, the car broke down. You stop putting maintenance on the car. 
and the car broke down, and now you say you want to blame the devil. The devil, the devil broke the car. The devil, the devil's trying to get on me. The devil's trying to no. Y'all, y'all blame the devil. No, no, no. See what this scripture is saying. Where do the wars? Where do these battles come from? The battle is fought here and here. This is where the battle is fought. What do you want? What has your focus? What has your time and attention? I'll guarantee you that if it's not God, it's driving you to do something that's not godly. Because if you're willing to, listen, if that has your time and attention, and that's where you're, even Jesus spoke about it, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Right? Listen, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Listen, my brothers and sisters, look, if that's the case, then, and I'm looking for fulfillment, or I'm looking for joy or happiness, I'm looking for these things from external, outside of God, then I'm going to be willing to compromise with what He says in order to attain that. That's a problem. That's a problem. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from desires for pleasures that war in your own members? You lust and you don't have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. Wait, I've never committed murder. Really? Have you gotten so angry at somebody that you wished bad on them? Have you ever gotten so mad at somebody that you said something negative toward them? Because Jesus said, that's murder. See, we, 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 just, we love to throw this grace thing around and this new covenant. I'm living under a new covenant. I don't got, yeah, but Jesus raised the bar. See, the expectation is here. God had made us in His image. So when He turned over the lease to the earth, to Adam and Eve, there was a certain expectation. I created all of this and I created you. And by the way, Adam, don't you remember? I marched all of those animals right in front of you. You got to name every one of them. And then among them, there was none that was to be your match. There was no one that you, can, that you can relate to when I was not there in the cool of the day. There was no one that was your meat, your perfect match. And so remember, Adam, I made you go to sleep, and I pulled a rib out of you, and I formed the woman, and you named her because you knew that she was taken from you, so you named her Woe Man because you knew she was taken from your side? Did you forget that, Adam? Did you forget that you were created by me, for me, in my image? Did you forget that I went ahead and I gave you this? I told you to have dominion over it, to have subdue it? Then, after I told you that, I put you in this garden, just in a garden. Think about that. He put him in the garden to tend it and take care of it. So, let's be faithful in the little things. Where does God have you now? Where does God have you? Are you tending and taking care of that garden? Are you tending and taking care of the area that God has put you in? Fathers, are you tending and taking care of your families? Mothers, if you're a single mom, are you tending and taking care of your home? Uh, Mothers, uh, wives, are you submitted to your husbands? Now, don't get all frustrated with me. You know how you all sometimes get, well, I'll I'll start respecting him when he starts love. No, 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 no. The Word of God tells you to respect your husband. And I'm going to tell you, husband, something. It says to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Are you tending to your garden? Because if you are, that means you're loving your wife like Christ loved the church. Not just when she's providing whatever it is that you desire from her. Not just when she's cleaning the house, providing the meals, working outside the house. Not just when she talks real sweetie to you. No, when she is a nag... When she's upset, when it's that time of the month, 
when whatever it is, are you loving her like Christ loved the church? Because that's tending your garden. That's tending your garden. Be your parents. Are you raising your kids up in the way this should go? Are you providing them the Word of God? Are you teaching them first by a good example? See, are you tending your garden? Be faithful in the little things. Where did God put you? And, and, and are you tending to it? Are you taking care of it? Are, are you, is anybody hearing me right now? My brothers and sisters, let's be faithful in the little things. I'm not going to preach that message again, but let's be faithful in the little things. You see this connection here. But Jesus, in Jesus... We see somebody who was tested in extreme duress. See, my brothers and sisters, the garden came after the wilderness. See, Jesus was only worthy of the garden experience because he already passed the test in the wilderness. He had to go through the wilderness so that he would be ready for the garden. Listen. Some of you are saying, I'm always in the wilderness. Always, I'm just, if I could just get there. If I could just be in this church. If I could just reach God. If God would just bless me with this. If God would just bless me with that. If I could just be here spiritually, I know everything is going to be happy. If God would just give me this. If, God would, if, I would just, if that pastor would just give me a word. If that pastor would say something to me, and then I'll know God will confirm this. I want to tell you something. If you're not in the word, Whatever word might be confirmed for you, you might not even know whether it's the word or not. If you're waiting for someone like me to say something to you that's going to be the thing that puts everything, that clicks, but you're not in the word, you're going to miss it. You're going to be misled. You might be confused. But my brothers and sisters, listen to me. Listen to my heart. The wilderness that you're going through, that's the blessing. That's preparing you for the garden. And Jesus showed us when you're in the middle of the wilderness, all you got to do is say the word. All you got to do is say the word. Amen? Amen. Is there anybody that heard that? But here's the great Jesus. Jesus is our faithful high priest. If you look at Hebrews, at least in a couple of places, one of them is chapter 4, one of them is chapter 10, I believe, and he, he says to us that we have this faithful high priest. He knows what we go through because he's gone through it. Amen. He's gone through it. And so listen, if, you, if, you're, if you've gone through the test and you've stumbled, you're stumbling through the test, take heart. It's not over. There's breath in your body. No? No? <laughs> there's breath in your body he'll never leave you forsake you he loves you his love is not conditional his love is not performance based he loves you he loves you so now I've stumbled through this I've stumbled through that we could be like the Israelis in the, in the wilderness when things were going good hallelujah praise the Lord when things were going bad I went back in Egypt Right? Would Jesus say, I'm going to quit this fast. It's too hard. He continued, I'm going to quit this fast. The enemy is vexing me. 
No, he continued and quoted the word. Amen. I'm not Israel. I've got the spirit of Jesus in me. And so do you, some of you. So do some of you. You have the power in you to live it out in the wilderness. To quote the word because the living word is inside of you. you. Quote the word. Speak to that enemy. Take dominion over the garden that God has placed you in. Amen. 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 Stay seated. But I wonder, listen, I wonder, is there, if, if you're going through the wilderness right now, you've experienced some hard times, you're either on the beginning of your wilderness, or you're at the end of the wilderness, or you're just in the middle of the wilderness, pick up your hand. Hallelujah. 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 Think about these things that have you vexed. Think about these things that are challenging you right now. Compare that to what God calls you. Compare that to what God has given you. Keep it in perspective. Jesus. I pray that you administer to every heart here. Father, for those who raise their hand, specifically, Lord, I take that hand raise as a moment where they're reaching out to you in faith. And so, Lord, we bind our faith together now. In Jesus' name, thanking you, Lord, that even though we're in the wilderness, you haven't abandoned us. We know that you're with us. Lord, we need your strength. We need your power. So in this moment, we yield ourselves to you. And Father, give us an unction to to read your word. Father, the problem with many of us is we know about your word and, and we know certain scriptures. And Father, we're not devouring your word. We're not eating your word. And we can't abide in you, Jesus, if we're not eating your word. So Lord... Give us a desire like we've never had before. Holy Spirit, reap down on the inside of us. Make us not be satisfied until we devour your word. Holy Spirit, when we read the word, I pray for our understanding that you would lead, guide, and direct us. Many of us, Lord, don't read because we have trouble understanding. Holy Spirit, I know that understanding only comes from you. It's not a man. It's not intellect. It's not anything other than you. So, dear Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, bring us understanding. So when we read your word, we understand, we're strengthened, we gain. Hallelujah. There's also people in here, Lord God, who are fighting a battle in their mind. The enemy keeps telling them how they're not worthy. Jesus, I know that when you died on that cross, you died for all. You paid the ultimate price, very expensive. That proves that we are very, very precious in your sight. That proves that we have a high value. 
So let that one or more than that one understand right here, right now, that when you stretched your arms out and you bled, when you went through the garden experience, you did it for them. That you love them. That they are loved, valued. And if they were the only ones to ever acknowledge you, ever believe in you, you would still do it. Father, can you give that person or those people that? Please, this morning. Father, so many of us in this room have placed value on things and we associate our value according to how many of these things that we can amass. Father, I come against that right now in the name of Jesus. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let us only be satisfied with the heavenly things and the treasure that we could store in heaven. Hallelujah. Father, let that be real to somebody this morning. Somebody who's struggling with these things. Father, let it be real to them this morning. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Father, for the hurting hearts, for the people in this room who have been wronged, they've been either rejected or they've been mocked or ridiculed. And Father, in Jesus' name, some of them have developed roots of bitterness because of it. Some of them just have bad attitudes. Some of them have put up walls, Jesus, and won't let anybody else in. So Lord, for those in this room who have those kind of issues, Father, in Jesus' name, would you please free them? Would you please, Father, soak them in your love? Father, surround them with your love. Lord, would you please give them relief? Father, let them recognize that that bitterness is something that's separating them from you. Let them realize, bring a laborer, Father, or let these words, Father, get down on the inside of them now, even now. Holy Spirit, convict the hearts. And Father, let them be under such conviction that they, uh, they just absolutely forgive whoever those people are that they perceived had done them wrong. Let them forgive even the ones who are treating them harshly now. And Father... Let the walls come down. Father, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I know that we only have this, this privilege because of what you did at Calvary. And, and, and that was not the completed work. You said it is finished. The, the, the sin was paid. But, but Lord Jesus, you proved beyond any shadow of any doubt when you got up out of that grave. You got up out of that grave. And so now, Lord, those of us who have been born again, we're raised to live in this newness of life. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you for your freedom. We thank you for your blessing. And we praise you, Jesus, for doing everything that you did having us in mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Amen. God is so good. Can I just ask, we're going to, um, we're going to um, stay together as a church family and, and worship and fellowship with John. And we're, we're just going to do this. I, I just, I'm looking forward to this. Sometimes, I just, these are the things that are, light me up. But this is the opportunity that we have to show our genuine love for each other. So I would ask if you would just hang out with us for a little while longer as we dedicate Aaron. Amen? But before we do, we're going to sing a song together. I want to call the praise team back.